Welcome to Travel Talk with T. In this time of disconnection, we at Predictive want to stay as connected as possible. That is why we're inviting key innovators from the business travel industry to have virtual tea with us and share what they've been up to while the travel industry recovers. This week, we will be turning the tables and I will be interviewing Jay Campbell from the company Dime. We'll be getting to know the person behind the article as well as discussing our predictions for travel and what buyers need to focus on in the coming months. Jay, it is so great to have you join me for tea. First of all, we gotta, you know, check in with each other. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Maria. You know, it's uh, it's a tough time out there. I think we, uh, you know, we should probably acknowledge it's uh, really tough for a lot of folks, including everyone we we know in our industry. So, you know, you and I might have some laughs, but I do just want to say, you know, we we're, we're not forgetting all those folks who are out of work. Uh, you're on our minds, um, but uh, personally, I'm okay so far. Good. Yeah, I assume that you are based on the Lysol that's in the background. Yes. Prepared uh, to make sure that this conversation is clean. Completely clean, sanitized and everything. Yep. Sanitized, ready to go. Um, <laughs> how you found the Lysol. That's probably another discussion. Right. Uh, yeah, so I always start off with, you know, what are you drinking? And show us your mug. I always say, you know, it kind of gives us a glimpse into people's personality. So yes. show me. Show me your mug, I'll show you mine. I have a little green tea inside of a Winnie the Pooh mug. Oh. It was, uh, it was given to me by the, the, the first person I ever hired and I think she must have thought I was a workaholic, which is probably true. So it reminds me to you know, chill out once in a while. Yep, and mine is, I did for you, life is good. Nice. <laughs> I love this company and in what they do and all their different mantras. Um, my license plate even has the, the ring around it. It says, love what you do, do what you love. And um, yeah. but, um, I, I am addicted to life is good uh, stuff. I have their t-shirts, their, ba- their baseball caps, everything. So it's a great sentiment. It's a great sentiment, a great company. If you get a chance, um, look them up. They, okay. uh, it's a great company. So, well, let's talk about um, first, how does it feel to flip sides. Um, here you've been, um, you know, a reporter and interviewing just every possible person, every executive, every level, you know, the who's who. How does it feel to have the tables turned on you? It is, uh, it's different. I think I've interviewed you, I don't know, a dozen times, maybe 20 times. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's fun because, so journalists are trained to kind of stay out of the story for the most part. And so it is a little bit uncomfortable, but I think, you know, nowadays uh, with, with uh, you know, just all the, the heat that's been put on the media, you know, it's kind of nice to have a chance to pull back the curtain once in a while and, and uh, let people know a little bit more about how we do what we do. So, um, yeah, so I, I enjoy it. Good, good. Well, I promise, you know, as I always tease you, I'm not CNN and I'm not TMZ. So I think you're, you're, you're in good hands. It's <laughs> a good, good middle ground. Okay. Good middle ground here um, on there. So I am fascinated about people in their career. How did they get to where they got to? Um, so it's kind of a twofold question. Can you talk about your journey to running your own company and then also uh, career advice? What would you give somebody um, normally about career advice. So also talking about career advice during the current environment. 
Yeah, well, so the, the career journey is a, is, is a pretty long story. I'll try to shorten it. Uh, you know, I, I goes back to when I was a kid, I, I, uh, I, was, I delivered newspapers as an 11-year-old kid and kind of got into the news then. And I, I started writing uh, actually for local papers when I was 14. Um, so I really dove right into journalism as, as what I wanted to do. Uh, I went to Boston University, and uh, the only uh, paying internship I could find was at the uh, Air Travel Journal, which is the, was the uh, Logan Airport newspaper. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, part, part of my job there was to look over the national trades, and that's how I got to know Travel Weekly and BTN. And so uh, when I graduated, I sent my resume out to those and others, and uh, David Meyer was editor of BTN at the time. He hired me. I moved to New York. Um, and then it's way too complicated to get into, but I ended up working for BTN on three separate occasions, uh, kind of punctuated by my own, uh, my own initiatives, including uh, starting the beat in uh, 2004. And then, uh, so then by 2014, my co-founder David Jonas and I uh, left and we started the company Dime. And uh, fortunately it's worked. So here I am. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know if I'm the best source of advice for career hunters because I've always just sort of and a lot of uh, I think a lot of you know reporters are this kind of cut from this kind of cloth really just independent and you know probably to a fault so I've always kind of kind of paved my path um, you know maybe that's a good piece of advice but I guess I would say you know it seems like these days companies are a little more cognizant of fairness in the hiring process I don't know if you agree with that um, so I would hope that you know Maybe it's a little bit patronizing, but the advice is don't give up because uh, those opportunities should be there. And, and hopefully companies are rooting out things like ageism, you know, which would be barriers traditionally. So I guess don't give up. Well, I think that's actually great advice, you know, uh, is to be fearless, um, especially uh, during now. I know that we've, I've talked to a lot of people in our career search group, which thank you for doing the article on it. Um, oh, yeah. It's um, gotten a lot of people who normally wouldn't know about it to us so that we could help them. Um, and I talk about their transferable skills, you know, and to be fearless, you know, right. to go out there. And even though it's, it's not an industry that you know, it's one that you can learn. So I think fearless is a great advice. Absolutely. So let's talk about Jay Campbell, the person, a human being. Okay. So what are you like? Um, you know, what are your hobbies? What, you know, what do you do when you're not, you know, please don't tell me that you, you're sitting there reading every trade publication there is, because then I'm going to feel quite inept. But, um, you know, what do you do when you're not at work? Yeah, no, actually reading is, is, is hard for me to do because I'm doing it all day. So, um, you know, I, I seem to get the most reading done like on vacation. Um, or a few years ago, I was covering a trial where they didn't allow you to bring your laptop. So I, I read like three books in a, in a matter of weeks while waiting for the judge to come out. But uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty social. So I like, you know, going to restaurants and bars with friends, baseball games, concerts, barbecues. Yeah, so it's, it's not a great time for me uh, with all that. <laughs> but I, I really like music. I play, I play bass guitar badly. So those are a few things. Okay, nice. All right, well, let's jump into um, COVID for just a minute. So again, flipping the tables, you're out there reporting about the impact of COVID to all of our businesses and, and how we're managing it as an industry and as individual companies and verticals. How about you? What's been the impact to the company Dime as COVID hit? 
Yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, in the early, you know, first few weeks uh, when it was becoming apparent that it was a really serious thing, it was it was tough for us because, you know, um, we we had to really do away with everything we had been working on. You know, it was it suddenly all that stuff wasn't relevant. You know, um, so that takes that takes a little bit of time and and kind of um, a little bit of grief too because you put work into things. You know, you want them to to see the light of day, and then it's just not relevant. Um, you know, and, and that continued actually through the through the pandemic. You know, there's a lot to say, but there's also a lot of just guesswork and speculation. Uh, so sorting through that has been challenging. And then, uh, of course, we had the the BLM demonstrations when that was going on. It was really hard to feel like whatever we were going to write was, you know, was relevant. I mean, just so much really important things happening in the world. Who cares about business travel? You know. Uh, but we figured out, you know, we kind of felt, felt our way and, and really just, you know, uh, it goes back to what's always been the case for us, which is thinking about our readers, putting ourselves in their shoes and trying to come up with what, you know, what they're looking for, for education or, you know, um, statistics, you know, research, et cetera. Uh, so, so those have been some of the challenges. And I guess, you know, kind of the silver lining for us is that it is a time when people are really looking for a lot of information. They're looking for networking. And so those are things we provide. And, and so while I'm concerned that, you know, uh, a lot of our subscribers are gonna be losing their livelihoods and hopefully not for too long, but that is a risk, uh, you know, we're actually doing fine, you know, uh, business wise. And, you know, it's just the two of us. So, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, um, fat to trim <laughs> in the event that revenues fall. Uh, so, you know, it's been mixed. It's been, you know, challenging, but kind of exhilarating at the same time. I think I'd rather not have it, of course, but uh, it is a little bit of, you know, kind of endorsement for what we do. So that's been, that's been fairly gratifying. I do want to state publicly how impressed I was when you offered to people that had been displaced, uh, the company I'm for free. And oh. because I want you to thread this through to why it's important, besides that it keeps them in touch. Um, it's so important, and we talk about this in the grocery group, um, to uh, differentiate yourself by being knowledgeable about what's going on in the industry. So because you gave them access, they're able to compete in the interview process um, more effectively because they read your articles, they read what's being said in there in the, in, in the comment section. Of the end. So it allows them to be able to differentiate themselves throughout. So really very well done on your part. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it just goes to like what we're trying to do, which is, you know, what can we do f for the, this profession that's really just, you know, supported our livelihoods for since the last century, right? Like, you know, how can we give back? And, you know, there are things people have asked us to do that we couldn't do. Um, you know, some of our coverage in the last couple of months, we were asked, can we take it out from behind the paywall, you know, and make it free? And we're like, well, you know, that's our whole livelihood. Like we can't, you know, always do that. And it's a tough call sometimes. Um, but where we've been able to to make it work, you know, we've 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 tried our best to to give back. Uh, we increased the number of um, teleconference calls that we do with our buyers council. Um, that's just a free add-on for those who subscribe who are corporate travel buyers, and they clearly needed it because you know the the participation has been tremendous. We kicked it up from monthly to weekly for a while there. I think we're going to settle on twice a month. Um, but you know their participation just shows that this is a time when people really need networking, comparing notes, even if it's just um, emotional, touching base. You know, um, especially those first few weeks, people were really feeling 
unsettled and and i'm not saying that's gone by any means um but it really helps to connect with each other and just relate yeah i agree with the connection but i think what's also helped happening and certainly a trend that i've seen is travel managers are rising in their organizations because companies are seeing that it's not an administrative function by any stretch of the imagination and when you look at all the intricacies of what they have to know and manage they're rising up they're getting the attention of the c-suite more than ever before not that some haven't but not all have we're seeing we're certainly seeing that trend we're seeing good travel manager roles come open you know and the companies are you know um, really looking at, at higher salaries so but again, you know, having that vehicle to connect, I think has been incredible for you. So when all this COVID has hit and since then, what has just absolutely surprised and delighted you the most? What have you seen? I call them peaches. I'm a Southerner, so everything's a peach or pit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can do a Southern accent, Jay. Don't know if you know that. <laughs> well, I think it goes back to what I just touched on. You know, um, it's tough for people in the corporate world to participate on social media, um, comment on articles, you know, um, sometimes it's really just a matter of time. They just don't have the time to do something like that. They're busy, but also, you know, their companies have policies that say, you know, you're restricted from communicating. And, and I think what we've seen in this crisis is more communication. Um, there is a subset that has kind of gone into its shell, right? And, and, but that's what, if you told me there was going to be this big crisis, I would have expected most of the industry to kind of go into its shell. But I've been pleasantly surprised that it's kind of the reverse. Fewer have gone into the shell, more, more sharing, more, and, and people are a little bit more willing to, um, you know, show their, show their emotions and, and even maybe make mistakes. It's okay if you, you know, make a prediction, it turns out to be wrong, right? Like, that's just fine. Um, you know, in the moment, it's what you thought. So um, it's been great to see that. Lots more engagement from the, the community. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I, I think also greater transparency, mm. you know, on there between buyers and suppliers, letting walls down, you know, so that we can recover together, you know. On yeah. There. So speaking of recovery, what, uh, we'll let you, you know, do your psychic, you know, predictions here, you know, and I'm a woman, so, you know, I have an opinion, you know. <laughs> What do you think um, on the recovery? How do you think it's going to be pacing out and, and who do you think is going to fare well out of this? It's really tough to say, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the industry is close to gone. I mean, you know, corporate travel, that is. We've seen leisure come back to some degree, but, but corporate travel is really on hold. Now we're in the summer and it would be fairly slow anyway. But, you know, I think it's just so hard to say. I think a big problem is that, you know, we, we want consistency. We want best practices and what to expect on the road. Um, you know, we want to we want to have a good sense of what's open and closed. And I just it just seems like there hasn't been as much, uh, I guess, consistent leadership as as corporations would like to see on some of those you know regulatory aspects. Whether it's you know open and closed borders, but also just you know what do you have to do at a different at one airport versus another. So until there's more consistency, and I'm I'm sure it'll get there. Um, but until then, it seems it's going to be tough for corporations to be able to uh, really guide their travelers and give them some sense of comfort. So as far as a forecast, I mean, you know, it's kind of like asking when are we going to have really strong treatments or a vaccine, right? It's hopefully within the year, right? Um, 
I kind of uh, follow uh, what uh, WorldAware has to say in terms of this kind of thing. And uh, they said a few months ago, it was looking like a year to 18 months off. And then I checked again recently and they said pretty much the same time frame. And so that's just really for a bulk of it to come back. Um, you know, will it ever fully recover? That's, a, that's also another big question. Yeah, will it ever reach that 100% or will we average out at 75 to 80%? So who do you think has done exceptionally well out there? And, and what can we learn from those that have done exceptionally well? Well, you know, I'm reluctant to name names, but I, do, I will call out uh, one travel manager in particular, Eric Bailey from Microsoft uh, was very sobering in his assessments early on in terms of you know how big this is going to be and it was he was making comments that at the time probably to travel suppliers seemed pretty dark uh and, and i think that um what i liked about it was not that it was dark but that it was real you know um it was his his honest view and and i think that's also what you'll you know, I think that's also another hallmark of, of, you know, good leadership through a crisis like this is really just the, you know, not, not dressing it up, not running from the facts. You know, we did see early on some travel companies kind of diminishing or downplaying the impact and, you know, they didn't really know. I mean, they weren't, you know, medical professionals and they were just sort of concerned for their wallet, which I totally get. Um, but, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't helpful. So, you know, those, those companies that are, kind of recognizing, you know, uh, signals of change in, in business, you know, I mean, I'm just gonna be self promotional, but through business intelligence, you know, taking advantage of uh, information as soon as they can, making quick decisions uh, and, and, and sticking to them. Those are the companies that are, you know, um, gonna be stronger coming out of this. And I only say that because I've been reading a lot recently about resiliency. Um, you know, if you're, if you're bloated, if you have a lot of debt, it's, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to do anything but retract, you know, uh, in a crisis. So I think those are the kind of characteristics you look for. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely have your finger on the pulse of the buying community and the supplier. But in some of these buyer councils, um, and, you know, I love data. At some point, I always bring that back to data conversations. You know, are there any new data points that you find them focusing on that they historically have not or anything else coming out from that that is different? Well, I mean, I think the, the, one of the trends in corporate travel for the past several years has been more of a uh, sort of traveler-centric approach and thinking about service quality and uh, work-life balance and these sorts of things. And I, I wouldn't say those are, are taking a back seat by any means, but, but risk management is obviously, you know, it was number one. It's sort of more clear number one now in terms of priorities. And, and so we hear from travel managers that, you know, more than ever, uh, it's important to have that complete picture of, you know, your bookings, where travelers are going and have that be accurate. And, and so, you know, and that goes hand in hand with kind of what you touched on earlier, Maria, about that senior leadership appreciation for the function. Um, you know, we hear that as well. So in other words, you know, they, they never, uh, they never quite supported our initiatives to have as, you know, high, booking policy compliance as possible. And, and now they are, you know, um, so you might've had a multiple agency kind of global situation. You wanted to consolidate it, but politics kept it, you know, or turf battles, you know, kept it. Now there's much more, uh, you know, 
validation and, and much more reason for that. Um, and the same goes for really just this this kind of open booking policy that sort of uh, emerged over the past you know 10, 15 years as, a, as an idea. I don't think it quite took off before, but uh, even more than more than ever, it seems like companies are going to need to you know, to have that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly answering your question because it's not really a metric so much. I mean, I suppose, you know, percentage of bookings through the system, that's a, that's a metric. So, yeah. You make a good point too of, of um, risk management has taken a whole nother definition, Jay, than it ever has before. So you make a very valid point of things that we never have had to consider or measure. You're going to have to do that now. You know, where does safety begin and end? for an employee when they're on a trip, you know? Right. So can you force them to take a trip if they're uncomfortable with the COVID? You know, you have two employees going to the same job site. One says, I won't go, and one says, I'm fine. Can you force the other one? You know, what do you do in cities? How do you manage to cities that you, you know, have to go into quarantine right. there and when you get back? So, you know, th these are all new data points that we never even thought about in our wildest dreams. And yet now it's an, it's becoming an SOP. Right. So a completely different world out there. Speaking of a different world, how do you think um, doing your crystal ball, if you're so good at, um, what do you think is the that kind of future of business travel? How do you see us two and three years down the road um, out there? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we've seen a lot of, um, really kind of absolute statements being made about, you know, business travel will never be the same, or I've even seen reports that it just won't happen. It's gone for good. You know, I, I, I don't buy that. I mean, I think that there is certainly a temporary period when, you know, everything we need to do to fight the virus means less business travel. You know, that's, that's clear. Um, I do, I, you know, I question, um, you know, traditionally you would kind of compare face-to-face, -face, say like a face-to-face -face meeting between business executives, you might compare that with video conferencing and you might say face-to-face -face is better. But nowadays, like right now, if you're both wearing a mask, maybe that changes the equation, that changes that comparison. But again, hopefully that's, that's temporary. You know, in the long run, if, if I, just, I just see business travel as a function of business. And so, you know, if there's no business travel, then we have a different kind of economy altogether. And that's, seems pretty far-fetched, right? So, you know, volumes will certainly be affected. I don't know if they'll get back to where they were or how long it'll take to get back to where they were. But, you know, commerce in general has always, you know, always grown, take a dip, then grow again, take a dip. And it's always, you know, ultimately been bigger. So it's just seems to me it's going to happen again. Um, you know, it'll take time. And, and one thing that'll definitely happen is the players will change because you go back to those companies that maybe had a lot of debt or were too bloated. They may not make it. They're going to they're going to consolidate. You know, so definitely the the players will change. Um, you know, and in some cases that's just accelerating trends that already were there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I also think um, through challenge comes innovation, and so I'm looking forward to these innovators uh, coming out with new ways of which that we do things. You know, because with each challenge, this is where they rise. This is where. They, they come out of the ashes um, and delight and surprise us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, and, and actually you might see the opposite in, in the sense that, you know, with the economy going so strong for, you know, 10 years, there was a lot of extra money being invested in things that 
maybe didn't have as much value as, as you would see. So you might see some rationalization of, you know, some of those ideas that were like borderline, um, you know, I, I don't think we've had any examples quite yet, but uh, that, could, that could be something to watch for. So, and I've always loved the company, Don. So what's next? Like, what's the next reinvention of you and Dave and the company, Don? Well, you know, um, we actually do have something we're, we're coming out with pretty soon. So it's, it's good timing. Um, you know, I would say normally we just think what's next in terms of our, our next story. And, and that seems to work pretty well. Uh, but as a matter of fact, we're about to announce we're going to bring back our teleconference. So this was a, a monthly conference call that we did from 2016 to 2019. Um, it was uh, it was a little bit different from you know your your typical kind of webinar because we uh, we we sold tickets for attendance so we try to match it with our model of of subscriptions and um, we're not going to do that uh, you know it was okay um, but the uh, the selling of the tickets was just a lot of administrative work and um, so anyway we're going to offer for our, our paying subscribers uh, you know participation in a twice a month teleconference where we just you know, talk to industry leaders, um, maybe even get some help with our, our articles that we're working on. Uh, so that's the next new thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I think, you know, one thing we've heard from our, our, especially our corporate buyers, is that while, you know, there have been a lot of webinars during this crisis, and that's great, a lot of them are also pretty like sponsor driven and kind of commercial. And so they're really looking for something that's just, um, you know, for them completely thinking about, you know, what's um, information that they're looking for. And so what we're going to do is not a webinar, but um, it should help, you know, satisfy at least a few of those needs and uh, definitely, you know, bring people together, which, you know, as we've been talking about, it's uh, pretty important at this time. Yeah, and you do it very, very well. So is there any question, Mr. Reporter, that I did not ask you that I, I could have asked you or should have asked you? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I didn't put that on the notes. <laughs> uh, let me see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, reporter going at you. Do I get to turn the tables now, though? This is kind of like, now this is me turning the tables back, right? Well, hmm. you certainly try, yes. Uh, let's see. Well, I guess I would love to know what you think about um, about kind of like, you know, what's going to happen with industry education and, uh, you know, networking we have a lot of turmoil in, in the uh you know the membership associations um i don't know what's what's your observation there or was it i was supposed to ask myself that question i think you were supposed to ask yourself that question i i, I turned the tables on its and i could tables. Back to you and say no that's the question for you <laughs> i guess uh i can i can be completely self-promotional and say well our teleconference is here no no uh, it is not a membership association. I think that's, you know, really important for the industry and it's really tough, you know, I, you know forget the controversies, um, you know, it would be difficult for any organization that depends on events to continue and be, and, you know, through this crisis. And so, you know, get smaller, reinvent yourself. I mean, I think that organizations that are specializing in events, just moving to virtual is not really the full answer. You know, these virtual trade shows are like, they're okay, probably like better than nothing. I, mean, I don't know. I, I've seen a couple that were just, yeah, it's fine. But it doesn't replace, you know, walking around those halls, running into people unexpectedly. So, it, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but I think there's enough need there that that will come back. 
Um, similar to all the other segments of the industry, though, the players already we can see are, are going to be different. And so um, that's just something for people to get accustomed to, I guess. I agree. I, I think there's nothing like those uh, formal and informal um, meetings that you have um, at events. I don't think yep. that necessarily a conference, but any of the events. Um, some of the best conversations I've had, the best, you know, uh, discussions I've had have been those that have been the informal as well as the formal ones at events. I think we just have to look at the events of the future, to your point. Mm -hmm. Right. What does that look like um, in the future um, above and beyond these large conferences? You know, and, you know, candidly, I think they needed reinvention anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, I do. I think that it was time to look at them differently. I think COVID just kind of fast-tracked some of that. Right. You know, I think that if you look at things like the impact of millennials and what they look at and how they communicate and connect and buy and, and everything else, I think it was long overdue to rethink it. Right. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. It goes back to kind of what we said about that unexpected interaction. You know, I remember when I first started, I didn't get that as much because I didn't know as many people. And you get to know a lot of people. Now, now you're not scheduling with everybody you know, and you're running into them, and that's wonderful. But in the beginning or when you're young, like maybe there are tools that these events need to incorporate in order to help facilitate that. There's like really interesting, you know, possibilities there. Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone's really done it right in other industries, perhaps, but um, it'll be interesting to see the, the kind of experimentation that happens. Well, it's, I've always said, you know, we should be the poster child of all other industries come to of how to run you know events and meetings and conferences and conventions sure. we should be the bleeding edge we're the ones right. that other associations and um you know meetings come to us to say well, how did you do that that is like really cutting edge um and i think sometimes we miss that opportunity to be the showcase yeah good point mm -hmm.